Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Can you believe it? It's already time for our first mid-season review show for this year. Boy, the first part of this year has gone by quickly. We're going to be looking back at some of the more requested interviews that you have sent in asking questions or wanting to hear again. Bill Snodgrass is going to be joining us here in just a second on gaming. We're going to talk about Alpha Squadron again. We've got a Q&A segment with some of the questions that you've asked from the past. And we're going to be looking at the show Auction Attic. Now, this was something that we talked about with Steve Mailer a while back. He is a guest on. They've put this together. It's kind of a reality TV production that's being done where they go to the auctions and cover them live and see how things sell. And it's going to be interesting to see where that show ends up going. I know they've been working on kind of a first season and are planning to release it when they actually have the first season put together. But go ahead and send us your questions and your comments. That's how we come up with our programming, and that's how we got all of this together. The way you do that is our phone number is 503-766-6264. And when you call, that number is answered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave a message on the machine, and what's going to happen is that will get to us. And we'll either just take your questions, as we do from a lot of listeners for the different parts of the show, Or if you want to be on the air, mention that, and we can do that too and set up an interview. So there's all kinds of ways to become involved here. Don't want to do a phone call? That's fine. We're on social media, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, userfriendlynation.com. All of those are ways to get to us. And if you want to just post a comment there or even just a question or email through the website, that'll get back to us as well. And we'll be able to take all that information and use it just as easily. Social media is a great thing for this kind of stuff, and we love to monitor it, and we love to answer your questions. So with no further ado, we're going to move on to this week's clip show. Today's news is brought to you by Cedar and Stone in Old Town Sherwood. Come see us for all your gift needs, as well as indoor plants and home decor. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're seeing some new technology that has just come out this last week, and it's actually a big step up and something that we've talked about in the past, and that's gaming consoles. Microsoft and Sony have both released their new versions into the market, the next generation as they're being called, of these different consoles, and they've got a couple of different options available. The Microsoft Xbox has two models, the Series S, which is retail price of $299, and the Series X, which is a little bit more powerful version of it, at $499. PlayStation 5 has also come out this week. They released on Thursday, and the PS5 regular is $499, and the digital edition is $399. We'll talk about that here in a little bit is what this is. Now, Bill, you work a lot with our gaming stuff, and I know that you've looked at some of this stuff. Give us just an overview of all this. Well, I mean, the basic of it is they're selling you a digital download-only version, and I'm guessing one that has a disk drive. Right, <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Um. It is a difference in, you know, I mean, most people usually pick what they're going for way early on or they've been sticking with it or you're going to have your own reasons for choosing them. They're just the next generation of consoles. I've heard good. I've heard bad. I'm not big on some of the designs for some of them, but, you know, everybody's got their own choices in this. (laughs) Yeah, the the design is interesting. I know the PS5 is not something that you would necessarily put in an entertainment console. It has a lot of heat. And it looks like this kind of almost tower thing. And there's been pictures of it out for a while. And the difference on those, by the way, is absolutely one has a drive, the other does not. So in my case, I still very, very rarely play things like a Blu-ray disc. 
So they do double for me as the as the player. So not having yeah. the uh, drive in there would be a little bit problematic. And there's a lot of people that like to get computer software, myself included, on uh, media, physical media. Even though in most cases with these, it seems like now if you do that, all that really is is an installer that goes out to the internet and downloads the actual whatever it is. Yes, yeah, no, that seems weird. Yeah. But the benefit, though, like the reason why I would get the fancier PS5 is the backwards compatibility thing that they have going. So there's right. a lot of games I own that all I have to do is put the PS4 version of the game in and I automatically get the PS5 updated version. That's cool. Yeah. And if there isn't a PS5 version, it actually will play the PS4 version. And that is one nice thing about it is that you don't have to replace all of your old software like you've had to in the past. Yeah. Now, I know that that they're dropping compatibility of Sony is for PlayStation 3. In fact, the PlayStation 3 games were taken off of the market a while back in anticipation of the upgrade here. So there are some changes with that. I have a funny feeling they will re-release some of the really old software. But you got to figure with these type of things, too, is there is such a difference in the capability. As For example, the new consoles are 4K. The old ones weren't. They would upscale in some cases, but you do have a huge difference there. The processing power is greatly increased. That if you have a game that's something, you know, really, really old, let's go back even further. Say a PlayStation 1 or 2 game that doesn't support high-definition output, it's going to look just terrible on one of these new platforms, it would seem like. Would you agree with that? To an extent, I would, but I've also played the updated versions. Um, you can get some of the old Final Fantasies and stuff from PlayStation 1 or even older onto PlayStation 4, um, which really helped quite a bit with things so that you could still enjoy them. Uh, they upscale. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's going to be some issues. You know, I plug in my PS2 to my flat screen, you know, 50 inch TV and it looks terrible. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's still fun. You know, I didn't mind about the graphics back then and I don't mind about the graphics now. Um a lot of them they update mostly is just cleaning it up, bringing it up into a higher resolution, but the graphics are still there. You know, they're getting at those blocky polygons and stuff, but being able to play the older games, because uh, as I've said, you know, a good game is a good game. doesn't matter if it was on a PlayStation one or a PlayStation five. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I think it comes down to that a lot. I know one of the libraries I was able to get on the PS four, which will work with the PS five is a, uh, it's, it comes out on a disc like they did. But it's the entire library of what was out on the Sega Genesis. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, that was a 16-bit console from the 90s that had some good games and some really not-so-good games, you know, like all of them do. But the interface (laughs) that made it work on the PS4 for high definition was basically it took the old 480i resolution in the game and put it in the center of the screen, stretched it out a little bit, and then put a box that looked like an old television around it. (laughs) <laughs> and that was their way of uh, cool. of dealing with it. And it worked. It worked well. I mean, I have, uh, uh-huh. like you said, I think mine's a 55-inch or something uh, flat screen. And it worked just fine on it. it. It played. If they had tried to stretch it out to be the full 1080i or 4K in this case, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have done so well. Because like you say, it does have a lot of the old 16-bit polygon, those type of graphics in there that there is a point where it's just is what it is. And uh, but the gameplay still worked. It it was a lot of fun to work with. And the interface had this thing where you went through this process. If you wanted to change virtual cartridges on your Sega Virtual Sega Genesis, you went to a shelf, pulled the thing off the library, took the cartridge out of the box, and plugged it into the top of this console, all virtually, of course. And that would actually switch <laughs> it out. So it was kind of cool how they did it, you know. 
But oh, yeah. uh, what are you expecting? Uh, is it worth even updating to a PS5? Do you think there's or, or a new uh, Xbox? Is there going to be that big of a difference? Yes, but I always ca- put this with a caveat that I have never bought a launch day console. <laughs> and there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, anybody who has been around gaming for as long as we have, I still remember back when like the first PS2s uh, were going out, um, the first Xboxes with Red Ring, saw that with the PS4s again for a little bit, the Xbox 360 with Red Ring again. I tend to wait until those kind of level out. Of course, you know, with the PS4, those tended to level out earlier. Uh, there was still a lot of Xbox red ringing going on past that. Um, but, you know, you go buy a PS4 or an Xbox 360 now, and it's not even a question. Yeah. It you know, something that's going to last because they've kind of finally ironed out those problems. And you were talking about the PS4 or 5 being hot. Clearly, there's a problem with that. Um, there is always a lot of these questions, and it even comes down to make sure you know which way the system is meant to be set for the cooling. Um, some of them they sell with like a vertical stand and stuff, and it's like you don't want to do that because it's actually bad for the system because of how they designed them. Right, right. They're they're computers, and there are good tower configurations for cooling and bad. So you can prolong it. You got to keep them clean. Of course, you can't open a PS4, PS5, and Xboxes. But, I mean, you're going to get different things out of different ones. I'm looking forward to some of the exclusives for PS5. I've kind of fallen out with Xbox. And, but I have started having some issues with Sony recently. But, you know, I mean, it's... I'm going to see where it ends before I uh, really get into it and myself. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Jeremy Gretchen, welcome back to the show. Hey there. Hello. So I hear we have a book discussion today. Yeah, we've actually got two things. We have uh, a Marvel comic book. Um, Jeremy calls them. Well, the Age of Rebellion, uh, Star Wars Age of Rebellion is a series, and it's usually one comic book at a time. Each one is like 30 pages, half of its ads, you know. Um so we end up buying the graphic novels, which is they take five or six comic books and stuff them together into one book. And this is the villains version. So it's Vader and, and uh, Jabba the Hutt and Tarkin. Boba Fett and Tarkin. And it's a series of different stories, but it only is about them. So we're not reading one story about Vader and then Luke and then, you, you know, an old story about Yoda or anything. This is all just the villains. Just the so-called bad guys. And IG-88 is also in this yes. one, too. So Yeah, it's so, pretty cool. It's a, it's a nice series. The art's pretty good. The stories are good. Um, I didn't care for the Tarkin one. I didn't think it suited his character, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the job of the Hut one was done well, though. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I, we so, had a listener question, by the way, about graphic novels. I'm just going to ask this before you really get into this. Okay. Are, are graphic novels in some way inappropriate for children? And I think where this comes from is the name. It depends on the story because um, there's uh, some versions of graphic novels that yeah. are uh, adult material. Right. Okay. It's like a different genre. It's a different genre. But the, the idea of a graphic novel is you've taken several different, instead of having to go collect 
50 comic books, you collect uh, four graphic novels. And graphic refers to as pictures, not as in explicit material. Right. Okay. So I guess a good rule of thumb there would be to look at what your child is getting before they get it, Uh just to be sure. Because, but it doesn't mean by definition that it's adult oriented material. Right. There's, um, I think, like a lot of high-end Japanese Mm -hmm. material that is for adults. It's definitely grown-up stuff. Okay. So so just check it out. It's always a good uh, idea to know what your, you know, what your children are reading anyway. All right. Age of Rebellion Villains. What did you think of it? I liked it. I I like the comic book series anyway. I enjoy comic books. I grew up with them a lot. Um, But this is, you know, my favorite characters, except Tarkin. Um, but Boba Fett and Vader, and there's a really cool one with Jabba the Hutt in it that also has Boba Fett. Uh, there's a really cool story about IG-88. It's a good series. Uh, Marvel Comics is doing a really nice job with the with all of the uh, Star Wars comics. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. There's this okay. reputation that uh, Marvel's good at movies and DC's good at the books. Uh, but it looks like that's all being being flipped up here in the sense that it sounds like Marvel's got a good comic book, and I know some of the upcoming DC movies are going to be really good. So good to oh, see. Cool. Now, this book called um, Star Wars Alphabet Squadron is it tied into a, a, a comic book series. Yes, it's a Star and, Wars TIE Fighter. Yeah. Um, and I think that was several years ago now. And they've given a sample inside of the book, inside of the novel of some of the drawings and stuff. And it wasn't anything that we had gotten involved in. But um, obviously, if you're into that particular comic book series, you might want to read the book. Right. Um, the book is, uh, gosh, I like Alexander Freed. Yet, um, I really felt like he wasn't very passionate about the characters. Um, I had a hard time feeling like he was in love with the characters and that these were awesome people that he just totally wanted to tell a story about. Um, I get that impression when I read uh, stuff about Admiral Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. And um, I can't remember the lady writer's name, but the Dark Disciple novel which is another Star Wars novel, I really felt like that she um, totally cared about the characters and that the story was written with love. And I think this one almost feels like um, he was told, here, write about this, and, and it like he wasn't totally excited. He's really good at writing the military stuff. Right. The, uh, describing uh, engagements and combat and the tools. He did that also in, was it, Battlefront? Mm-hmm. Battle the Battlefront book series, not yeah. the video game. Yeah, no. <laughs> so Jeremy, you what were your thoughts on it? Okay, it's it's a good series, it's a good novel. Um you're getting to come up with, you know, uh 20 or 30 new characters that you've never heard of before and a couple that you have and then it's about engagements uh between the um re- rebellion after the Empire has fallen at Endor. It's like a cleanup uh, operation. So, okay. you know, the, what's left of the Empire is fragmented, not working as well as it could. But the resistance or rebellion or New Republic or whatever you want to call it has to go in and clean up whatever the Empire is trying to do. And, you know, it's good. I, I'm not as fond of the psychological, you know, trauma that all these people have been through and have to work on. Yeah, it's like they're beating a dead horse. Kind of. And uh, I noticed that Canto Bite, um, the Canto Bite book had the same thing, 
where they kept repeating the same thing over and over and over. And it's like, um, this isn't a commercial. You don't need to say it three times. Right. Right. <laughs> so so, so. I, let me, let me sum this up then. Are you recommending this book? Yes or no. And if so, for what audience? I would recommend this book. It, it's, um, I don't believe it's for children, no. but it's, if you like star Wars and you like reading about, uh, you want to know more about what happened after the empire fell, you're going to want to read the book. It, it's about a, uh, a specific squadron called Alphabet Squadron, and they're calling it Alphabet Squadron because they're not using all of the same kind of ship. Yeah. Right. There's an X-Wing and a Y-Wing and an A-Wing and a B-Wing and a U-Wing. So they're calling it the Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> yeah, that's where they get the nickname, which okay, I thought was makes, pretty clever. Yeah, that, no, it sounds like a lot went into the title, and, and that makes sense. And if you're going to read this book, read it all the way to the end because there's something at the very end. That's what caught my attention. That was where the intrigue started for me. And so it's like, if there'd been a follow-up novel, I would have wanted to read that one. Um, maybe more so than this one. Right. And it, it kind of tantalizes you. So I don't know what happens after that. And maybe it's, maybe it's answered in the comic books. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe. eventually there's going to be a follow-up novel. You know, sometimes that is uh, uh, presented in that way. So the book is Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. Alexander Freed is the author. Comic mm -hmm. book is Age of Rebellion Villains. And villains. Villains, yes. And it's part of the Age of Rebellion series. Uh, word that I evidently cannot say today, but we will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is user-friendly 2.0 in a little bit of a return to normalcy in this messed up world right now. We are going to do a Q&A. Haven't had a chance to do that in a couple of weeks, but your questions, please keep sending them in. One user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, or give us a call, 503-766-6264. What questions do we have today? Does Google Plus still exist? Right. So this is an interesting question because the last I had heard about this is that it was shutting down, I think it was 2018 or 2019. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Google Plus was originally launched to be a competitor to Facebook by Google, but never really took off. It was an interesting system, but uh, lacked some of the features, although some of the ways it did things I think were a little bit better. It just was a matter of they never got it into the mainstream, kind of like Facebook had done. And uh, their hope was to place them like Facebook did with MySpace, but it never actually happened. However, there is still a version of Google Plus around. And when they turned it off, they only turned it off for the free account, so like the at gmail.com. But Google offers a thing called GDocs or G Drive. Uh, it has a few other names where you can have a paid uh, version, almost like an exchange server on Google. And you can use your own domain name with those. And that version, the paid version, Google Plus does still exist. So when I looked at it, I haven't done anything with it in like three years, but the information was actually still out there. So I don't know what the ongoing goal is for this, but it is definitely still out there if you have a commercial account. I don't hear too many people using it really anymore uh, for that. So again, uh, I'll keep an eye on it and see if I can read a shout to Google when it's appropriate and find out what the, uh, what the plans are for it. All right. The next question is, are there female Star Trek fans? Which is, this question actually came originally from a Twitter post where a person, uh, a male, at least I presume it was a male, 
asked, um, he was surprised that there were so many female Star Trek fans. And a lot of female Twitter posters got really angry with this person. And I'd like to point out that when I was younger, any girls that showed an interest in science fiction, Dungeons and Dragons, fantasy, Star Wars, we were shunned. We were um, pushed aside by other girls, like there was something wrong with us. So a lot of this comic book culture and things are geared to men or males because originally only guys showed an interest in it. Now, I would say in the last 20 years, I've seen an increase of female interest in these areas, including video games. And it seems like the women are angry about the past. Well, I'm letting you know that in the past, if you showed interest in that and you were a girl, other girls would shun you and make fun of you. Now, I know in the in in current times, you know, going to Comic Cons and stuff in recent years, is it seems like it's pretty open and pretty equal. I mean, I see just as oh, many yeah. women and men playing characters, whether it be Star Trek or anything else, and tabletop role playing. We have women involved. I mean, it's just it's a normal part of it to me. But I guess what you're saying is that one time that wasn't the case. I'm glad that has changed. Yeah, I even had a um, an English teacher. Um, belittle me because I liked science fiction and fantasy literature. Wow. Now, what, what time period would that have been? Like what year? The 80s. The early 80s. 80s. Okay. So about yeah. 20, guy more now, years yeah, ago. Yeah, more than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to think that was that long ago, but it is. So, well, I'm just glad that some things have changed for the better. We have a question called, what is blockchain? Yeah, I'm not sure I can completely answer that in the time we have left, which is about one minute here. Um, all right, so 10,000-foot view. This is a term that we have heard going around. Um, a, a Kind of a not complete, but a definition of it is that it's used for encryption, although there are definitely other implementations of it. So to explain this, it's like a chain with links where each new link has to identify using the previous link, and it builds out to this long set of virtual data. The idea being that if you try to change the information internally, it has to change them in every link up to that point. So that's why it's used for encryption, because it's a lot more secure. It's very difficult to change one part of it without changing the whole record set. It was originally developed for doing an online transaction ledger for uh, Bitcoin, crypto or cryptocurrency. So uh, that's where this originally came from. But it's being used in a lot of different cases now for enhancing encryption. And, uh, and then there's a number of other things, and it's not trying to avoid hitting on it. It's just it would take a lot more time. So what we might do is see about getting an expert in and talking about this in a segment. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining me now, Steve Mailer. Well, thanks, guys. I'm having a really fun conversation today with someone that I've been doing uh, interesting things with over the last seven years. She, she was probably my first real entry into doing reality television. It was a show called Auction Addicts, and we filmed it from around 2013, 2014. Her name is 
Samantha Brocklesby, but we lovingly call her Sammy B. Sammy B, welcome to User Friendly. Hello, how are you, Steve? I am doing great, and I'm excited to have you here. I've been trying to get you on the show for weeks, but you're just too darn busy. You know, life happens that way sometimes. Yes, it does. So, Auction Addicts, as I mentioned previously, was a reality TV show that followed six or seven people that seemed to be addicted to going to live auctions. And it was centered around uh, Weather Vane Auctions by Sammy B, which was a, a Sparks location, Sparks Nevada location you had for a while. Tell us what, some of the things that drove you crazy about being on Auction Addicts. Just... Uh... The cameras were not filming all the time when uh-huh. crazy stuff happened. Oh, of course not. We would have the craziest customers come in obscurely, and the camera would be off right at that moment in time. Or someone would be in my face screaming at me, and I'd be looking around going, gosh, why don't we have cameras on this? That would be great. <laughs> well, you know what was weird? I think a lot of this stuff happened when on days when we weren't filming. Yeah. I think it had it a lot to do with this was the week. Because Auction Addicts was not just about the auction itself and the, the winners and what they won, but it was also about the the preparation process of, of running up to the auction for the week. So. It was never really clear when, when something crazy was going to happen. But I do remember you saying, you know, God, Steve, you guys should have been here yesterday because we had blah, blah, blah. And it was like, oh, man. So uh, it's a shame that we could never pull anything off of your video security system because that probably some of that stuff probably would have been priceless. Oh, I'm telling you, uh, you know, chaos should be my middle name. <laughs> what is your middle name, by the way? I, I've known you Princess. for the. <laughs> I'm sorry. My middle name's Princess. Seriously. Seriously, yep. I'm the princess of the auction. Oh, my God. Were your parents drunk or something? <laughs> you know, it's a family name. My grandmother's oh. name was Princess, and my do- both of my daughters, their middle names no are way. Princess as well. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think I knew that about you. Really? So, that's because everybody calls me Princess once they find out that's my middle no, name. No. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought they were just being coy or funny or something. They were li- literally calling you by a, a proper name. Yes. I <laughs> I I would never have thought that. Okay. So, wow. I just learned something new. Thank you, Sammy. Or I'm sorry. Thank you, Princess. Um, <laughs> see, now, now, now you're in trouble. So, I love that name now. Yeah. I get tattooed on me somewhere. Oh, well, I'm okay. I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> now speaking of Sparks, you were there for quite a number of years, but then you relocated out to Fallon, Nevada, which is about maybe 50, 55 miles east of where you were. How has that changed the, the nature of your business, or, or has it? It has completely changed our lives moving out here. You know, when we were in Sparks, we were the auction house to be at. We were huge. We had lots of employees. And I really just wanted to recapture my life because we're getting older. My husband and I work like dogs 19 hours a day sometimes. That's crazy. You know, um, six days a week. And when we moved to Fallon, we decided we wanted a little bit uh, slower pace. So okay. we really push trying to be more online user friendly. Okay. So we're worldwide. Isn't that a great yeah. term, people? Online user friendly. How fitting is that? How it is, you know. But that's really we have great customer service when it comes to our, in our online department. We have it where people can log in on every Friday night through our weathervaneauctions.com uh, website. Okay. And if they bid through proxy bid on through our website, they can find it under the blue button. They okay. can hear the auctioneer and myself 
just telling stories, auctioning. You know, we act like the people are right in front of us. Yes. They're becoming a family of our own right here. But uh -huh. we do ship worldwide and we have the same customers predominantly who log in every week. And then we have probably 50 to 75 new bidders each week that log in. You kind of led into the next part that I wanted to talk to you about in terms of how your business has changed. Because I know when you were in Sparks, you had a lot of physical foot traffic, people in the store. And I know out in Fallon, since you've moved out to Fallon, because I've had an opportunity not only to be a customer, but also to be a staffer. Right. So I've kind of seen the, the, the volume of physical people in the building has gone down quite a bit. But I've also noticed kind of the inverse that you're online bidding community went up quite a bit and you've taught you touched on proxy bid so if someone goes to weathervaneauctions.com that's the process where <clears throat> you lead over to the proxy bid site and do an online registration i guess where you have to put in some payment information right. your contact information and then from there you become eligible to join one of your live auctions and bid that's correct and we do ship all over the world people can sit in their homes on friday night they can turn on their computer they can hear the auctioneer and myself converse they can hear all of the activity we call bids just like uh -huh. you would if you were in the building sure we might not actually have any people here in the building especially since covid thank goodness we went to the online process when we were starting to transition out here to fallon yeah. because otherwise it probably would have put us out of business but instead we're thriving that's awesome in fact i've i've had an opportunity to join through proxy bid as one of the online uh contest or not contestants but bidders and i have noticed that it is a very real-time process that what you can ask a question to you to the auctioneers and you get a fairly immediate response and when your bid gets triggered and during the live auction it's recognized immediately there's no lag time there's no latency period where gee did my bid just get lost it's a very real-time process. Yes, that's true. You know, every once in a while, Blair will drop the hammer a little fast, but the online bidders, the computer controls whether or not the bid is accepted or not. So if, if it's accepted through the computer, then it has to be accepted even if he's tried to drop the hammer and say sold, only because if there is like a half of a second there, uh, the computer is more in control, I guess you can say, than the okay. auctioneer, which is different now that we're going online. So the auctions take place every Friday night around 5.30 p.m. When does the online catalog become available for the upcoming auction? Because you can actually place bids before the auction starts. Yes, you can start placing bids as early as Tuesday when some of the pictures come up. Uh, we have people in the, in the room cataloging Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. By Thursday afternoon, full catalog is up and ready for full viewing and bidding. So then you have the rest of Thursday and all day Friday right up until 5.30 to place your online absentee bids or your pre-bidding and then prepare for the Friday night live bidding action. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have uh, been involved with Sammy B's for quite a number of years and you find some really, really interesting things, sometimes for pennies on the dollar and things that you wouldn't expect to find. Because a lot of these things come from estates. They come from, I guess, bankruptcies. Just it's an amazing collection of things that are available. And I invite you to join weathervaneauctions.com to join in on the fun at uh, Sammy B's Auction House. Well, Sammy, thank you for joining us. Because like I told you, we've already, been, <laughs> we've already pre pretty much gone over eight minutes and eight and a half minutes. I think people will find your auction site to be a lot of fun and you find a lot of interesting things. And uh, I think we're going to follow up with you as we get into the summer that sounds great. and uh, see what you've got going on. Thanks, so Steve. It's been think fun. It has been fun and, and we'll see you soon. So always check back and see what kind of auction they have going on at Sammy B's. And again, it's Weather Vane Auctions, W-E-A-T-H-E-R-V-A-N-E 
auctions.com. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, back to you in the studio. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. It's always fun to do a clip show at least once in a while and look back at some of the different interviews we've had. You know, the first interview we had here was actually with uh, our uh, reporter, Bill Snodgrass, who's also our editor and producer. And he was talking about the new gaming consoles. At that time, they were just being announced for the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox. And you know what? We still can't get them. No. Yeah. I think that's just weird. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's been a strange thing. I know over the holidays this last year, you could get them from scalpers, but you, you would pay two grand or more. Um, yeah. I mean, we saw them listed all the way up to, what, $50,000 or something. I don't know if it sold for that, but that's what it was listed for. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like that's just really kind of over the top. But now here we are in April, and you still can't buy them. You still, you know, go to Best Buy or the big box stores or Amazon or uh, even the smaller places, and it's just they're not available. Now, Best Buy had told me back in December that they should be in February. Well, that's a month and a half now past. So, you know, it's 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 kind of a bummer. I mean, is it shipping or manufacturing, or they just don't have parts? But it's, we are dealing with a microchip shortage. Okay. And that's part of what's leading to this problem. It's affecting a lot of different things. It's the reason you couldn't get the Switch console last year, too. And what's happening is when COVID started, a lot of the different people, especially in the automotive industry, that were buying chips stopped. So the manufacturers ramped down, and then all of a sudden, everybody realized that people wanted all of these gadgets and things. Car sales went up, and but then the chips weren't available. So now that is definitely part of what we're dealing with. And there's a number <laughs> of products out there that you can't get, like my uh, ambient light thing that I want for the television. It's not available also because they don't have the chips available. So, you know, now one of the other interviews we got to listen to again was Steve with his reality show, his first uh, run into this with Action Addicts. And I know that they're still working on the production and trying to get a season together to be able to present it all at once. But that kind of thing is interesting, too. The idea of going to an auction and videoing it live and then being able to talk about all of that. And I don't know, that just seems kind of cool. Yeah, there's always some something really neat. You know, yeah. whenever you go to an auction, there's always something interesting. I, I've never been to an auction where there wasn't some at least one thing that was just, you know, oh, I absolutely have to have that. I cannot walk away from this without that thing. And, you know, it's interesting. It talks about the technology of it all, too, where it used to be that you had to physically go to the auction. Now everything's online. You can yeah. still go. I mean, that's still a thing with a lot of them. But it's where you can bid from anywhere, and a lot of the stuff they sell doesn't necessarily go to the local marketplace anymore. Right. Hmm. You know, so you're dealing with all of that kind of stuff. All right, well, next week we're going to have a new show for you. We're looking forward to it. I hope you enjoyed looking back at some of the interviews this week. Send us your questions and your comments, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter. Until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or the station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.